is Rob Goldstone, editor of Current Directions in Psychological Science. Today's guest is Dr. Sherry Berenbaum, professor of psychology and pediatrics at Penn State University. She is the lead author of the recently published article, Evidence and Implications from a Natural Experiment of Prenatal Androgen Effects on Gendered Behavior. It's great to talk with you, Sherry. Uh, it's great to talk to you too. Thanks for inviting me. So like a lot of other animals, humans show sex differences that are large and systematic, even though they are still probabilistic. These sex differences affect our choices of partners, pastimes, and work. In your current directions article, you make a compelling case for trying to better understand the origins of sex differences by studying a unique group of individuals, those with congenital adrenal hyperplasia, abbreviated as CAH. Can you explain what this condition is? So CAH is a genetic condition that affects the, uh, an enzyme and that affects production of cortisol and through a biochemical pathway, which I won't go through, it results in increased adrenal androgens beginning early in gestation. So girls with CAH um, have increased adrenal androgens during prenatal development. They're usually diagnosed at birth. In fact, it's one of the disorders that they do newborn screening for. And then they're treated uh, with cortisol, which is what they're missing. So they have excess androgens prenatally, but postnatally they have female typical androgens. So how do girls and then women with CAH differ most markedly from girls and women without CAH? So the biggest differences that we and others have found is in their activities and interests. So in childhood, it's toy play. Girls with CAH like to play with blocks, um, uh, toy trucks, uh, toy cars. And as they get older, they're more interested in male-type hobbies. And they're more interested in male-type occupations. So it's remarkable to me that something as concrete as specific chemicals in the brain can end up affecting one's choice of occupation, such as a carpenter versus teacher. Is anything known about what some of the underlying causal pathways might be like? Like have particular brain circuits or neural patterns been implicated in CAH? No, it's a great question and it's the answer I've been trying to chase for quite a while. I mean, I, I agree that it's fascinating that early androgens would affect interests. When I first started this, I thought it would affect other things. I have a much healthier respect for interests now than I used to. Um, and I think the important question now is what is it for instance, about boys' toys that makes them attractive to somebody who's been exposed to higher levels of androgen prenatally. Um, it may have to do with motion, um, preference for motion, interest in motion. We have been doing a variety of studies to try to get the answer to that question, but the bottom line is, I don't know. 
Okay, great. That's fine. Um, you described evidence that girls with and without exposure to adrenal androgens have markedly different tendencies for occupations, interests, and hobbies, smaller but still significant differences in their sexual orientation, and still smaller but also, I think, significant differences in their spatial skills and gender identity. So can we use the ordering of these effect sizes to draw implications about the ways and degree to which activities, sexual orientation, gender identity, and spatial skills are socially versus biologically constructed? Yeah, that's another great question. I think it shows that androgens are more important for activity interests than they are for those other characteristics. And the question is, how much those other characteristics are influenced by social factors versus other biological factors. So females with CAH have two X chromosomes, just like typical females do. So if there's any information on the sex chromosome that's important for their characteristics, they would be like typical females. And there's socialization is generally female typical. So I suspect that social factors do play a bigger role in those other characteristics, but again, not enough evidence to be sure. But I, I, I think it's important to point out that their gender identity is by and large female typical. And this suggests that androgens, at least at the level to which they've been exposed, have less influence on gender identity than on these activities. Great. So if I understand the answer that you just gave is you can't directly go from the ordering that I just gave to saying there is more biological influence on interest than gender, but it might just be that there's more of a social influence on constructing your gender than your toys you're interested in, for example. Right. I, I, I'm, let me clarify by saying that androgens do seem to have a bigger effect on activity interests than those other characteristics. And that social fact that does implicate social factors more in those other characteristics. But A, there are other non-hormonal biological factors that might play a role. Um, and um, we know social influences also affect activity interests. So hormones are not the only influence. So socialization affects all those characteristics. It's the extent to which there's some predisposition for those interests. Okay, so you have convincingly shown that biological facts such as early exposure to androgens during development can have a marked effect on one's later choice of occupation or interests. I could see some people trying to argue from that demonstration that sex differences in the workplace or the underrepresentation of women in STEM fields are inevitable and not a problem. Uh, it's just a matter of biological differences. Uh, so what would you say to that kind of argument? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. And we talk about that in the article. And I also want at this point to note my co-author on the article, Adrienne Belts, who's on the faculty in psychology at the University of Michigan. And we spent a lot of time talking about this because this has been one of the inferences that people have drawn. And it has 
created both resistance to the work and some overinterpretation of the work. So first I would say that hormones are only one influence. There are many other influences. The second thing I would say is that the way we modify behavior is often independent of the causes of behavior. And in fact, we live our lives every day trying to change the expression of our genes. We exercise and we eat to try to risk, to reduce our risk for cardiovascular disease. Um, and there are values associated with this. So for instance, we know that boys are more likely to have learning disabilities than girls are, but we don't say, oh, well, boys are consigned or can to not have successful careers. If boys are deficient in something, we say, well, let's make them better. Um, and we know that there are interventions that can change people's interest in STEM careers. And they mostly involve changing the environment to make it more open or more hospitable to the kinds of interests girls have. Um, and then the final thing I would say is that um, career choice is not just a function of the individual, it's a function of society. And there's good evidence that we still have discrimination. I don't think the evidence justifies limiting girls' opportunities to have STEM careers. So um, that is all the time we have for our conversation with Dr. Sherry Berenbaum. Uh, thank you very much, Sherry, for helping us uh, understand interactions between biology and enculturation for making people have the interests and hobbies they do. Well, thanks for inviting me to talk about it. Thank you.